0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. First off, thank you guys for coming. Thank you for being here. Um, It's an honor to get to share what I feel like God's doing to you guys, to such open hearts and such hungry people. Um, and one of the things as we, as we dove into like righteousness and reigning and um, got into Genesis and, and Romans and all these different places, one of the things that I think before we go any further in what to do or how to do it or what it looks like played out practically is like kind of get into the heart of why it's important. And, um, and that is whatever we allow to reign in us is going to reign on the earth. Um, like we talk about Jesus wanting to do something to his disciples so he could do something through them. I believe it's the same for us tonight. This is bigger than a moment. It's bigger than a module. This is about a knowing, like an intimate, intimate knowing. And whatever rains in us will rain on the earth. So to kind of break that down a little bit more, Let's recap a little bit of what we we're talking about, and not just for the sake of recapping, but really like so that we can capture the heart of what he's trying to do here to us and in us and intimately. Right? Um, we talked about Adam and Eve in the garden, and we see this picture of what is in them actually raining on the earth. What's raining in them, raining on the earth? Like you look at, we talked about what they allowed in. They allowed in sin, and then you see what rain on the earth. It's 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 not an accident or a mystery, not just in their lives, but even looking at Cain and Abel that you see like Cain killing Abel. The wages of sin is death. And so they let in sin and sin reigned in them. And then you see death reigning on the earth. Um, I think Romans five seventeen 17 says, um, if by one man's offense, death did what? Reigned. So whatever reigned in them, oh, thank you, Don, it's so fast. Um, you, whatever they allowed to reign in them started to rain on the earth. And the same goes for us. Um, so we looked at, like, how do things reign in us? And we talked about how it's it's what they allowed in. They allowed sin in. They're intimate with it. They, they, this idea of um disconnecting. Uh, You see it almost immediately. In fact, immediately. In Genesis 2, they're naked. In Genesis 3, they're naked. Nothing's different in the natural. But when they allowed in sin, what is sin? Disconnection. Then you start to see disconnection is how they live their life, from each other, from God. Everything started to kind of play out that way. Does that make sense? Um, uh, Proverbs 4, verse 23 describes it like this, that, Guard your heart above all else, for out of it flows the issues of life. Or keep your heart with all diligence because it determines the course of your life. I got like a bunch of different versions mixed up in there. But the basic principle is this. What they allowed in determined the course of their life. The course of their life went from life to death because of what they allowed in. The, core, the, the issues of their life. What were the issues of their life? They went from life to death, and it was all because of what they allowed in. And so you see this this idea of like what we're intimate with will allow to what we allow in what we receive will rain in us. And then whatever rains in us will reign on the earth. Um So that's wonderful knowledge, right? Can I just be so open with you though? I, I taught the heck out of the word last week. I'm telling you, I'm not like trying to like puff my own, like my, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but when I got in my car afterwards, I was like, God, we did it. And he was like, yeah, we did it. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm gonna get some pizza. And I saw it because 50% off Papa John's. So I was like, I'm gonna get some pizzas, 50% off Caps One or something. So I was in the car and I was like, it's so funny. I spent the whole day in the spirit and I was enjoying him. We moved in the spirit, the anointing was moving. I was like, yay, we did it. And then I was like, I just want to go home and watch TV and eat pizza. And God turned to me and he said, Will I be enough for you tonight? So <laughs> will I satisfy you tonight? Can I tell you, Romans 14, 17 says that the kingdom of God is not food or drink. He was not saying, don't you dare eat that pizza. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit. He wasn't saying, don't eat pizza. When I said... When I, sp- I spent the whole time in this church in the Spirit. He was saying, I want to invite you. You spent that moment in the Spirit. It's great. You were in worship in the Spirit. You taught in the Spirit. You had your blue chair Spirit experience. But then in this moment in the car ride home, can you continue to let me in here? Like, can I connect with you here too? He was inviting me to a lifestyle of intimacy, a, a moment-to-moment intimacy. Does that make sense? Can you feel that like invitation in, in, in here tonight? can okay, me too. God was meeting me in, the, in, the, in that moment and, and knocking on the door of my heart and offering to connect. And he was saying, will you let me connect with you here too? He was trying to usher in the spirit into my car, into my home. I don't want us to settle for very spiritual moments just in a church and then us go home and be like, ah, not because pizza's bad. I mean, it's not not the greatest for you, admittedly, okay? But like the invitation is to go from moment to moment in the spirit. He's knocking at the door of our heart and saying, can I come in here too? Please, let's just take a second. Can we just let his heart for relationship saturate our imagination? Just for a moment. You know, we're not going to be here all night. I promise I have more notes for you if that's what you're here for. But can we just let, just for a moment, his heart for relationship with us to saturate our imagination as you sit right now where you are. Let it. His desire for connection, let it wash over you like a waterfall. let it start to quench the thirst of your heart. His desire to be with you. What all he gave up just to have this connection with you. And let it melt away our obsession with behavior. If this is what he's all about, if this is what he desires, why would we settle for anything less? (sighs) I don't know. We're crazy sometimes. I'll say, I will say I only want to talk about two or three things. I, I, they all start with C, so if that helps, that's good. God put on my heart connection, counterfeits, and the cross. We'll start with connection because it feels like that's a real juicy part of his heart. Um, and I have my NLT Bible because I just love it, you know. If you don't like NLT, that's okay. I have my New King James too, but um, I'm going to be in... Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, in the New Living Translation. General Electric Power Company. I don't know why I didn't bookmark this. Uh, Galatians 5, verse 24. We're in the same section where it's talking about the fruits of the Spirit. And actually, it's literally right after the fruits of the Spirit says this. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Okay, in the past, this has been like a historically um, difficult verse for me personally, but I started to look at what the heck a purpose of a nail is. Everything I've ever nailed in my life has been with the intention of connecting two things together. If it's a picture, I'm trying to connect a picture to the wall. If it's two pieces of wood, um, if it's baseboard to to the thing, if it's carpet, if it's these little boards in the back of here, if it's Christmas decorations, if it's the shingles on a roof, I'm taking something and connecting it with something else. So the invitation here is no different. Like having a painting or two pieces of wood or shingles, we are to bring our passions and desires and connect them with the cross to who He is and what He's done. Okay, let's pause for another second, just really quick. I'll promise I have more notes if you want more, but let's just take a second. What would my passions look like connected with Him? What would my desires look like connected with what He's already done? You take it back to me driving home in my with looking for pizza. <clears throat> what would it look like? I think it's important because I've always like beat myself up when I read this. I mean, it, it literally goes. i saying like the the fruits of the spirit: of this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. There's no law against these things. Then it goes. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, nail their passions and desires or the sinful nature of the cross. It sounds like a threat. Like you want, you know, for me, at least I always read it like that. and And I don't know why, because if you look at the context of what this whole thing is being brought out in, Paul is sitting there talking about yeah, he talks a lot about behavior. Don't get me wrong. He's, he mentions like, here's the results of those who follow their, their um, sinful nature. And it's like wild parties and sex and, and, and adultery, all these bad things. It's like these. Are, he talks a lot about behavior. And he talks about the fruits of the spirit. He's like, here are the fruits of the spirit. talks a lot about that stuff. But before he ever talks about that, he's talking about the source of all of these things. He wasn't trying to sit there and say, don't do this. He was saying, if you're doing this, if you find this in your life, let me tell you, I'm exposing a source of where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Is that, does that make sense? Paul's exposing a source. So I would read it like you have to behave. In fact, I would read it like, you know, beat myself into behaving, right? But think about this. My sinful nature, my sinful desires is simply a disconnected desire. My sinful passions is simply a disconnected passion. What if it wasn't? What if we stopped using our passions to disconnect? Now, I, I really prefer not to go here, but just don't judge me as I do. Oh, man, I trust you, God. Okay, I trust you. All right, listen. Nobody get weird in here when I say this. Mm-hmm. When I used to deal with lustful like desires and passions, I would go to things. <clears throat> That would involve me using my imagination to simulate intimacy. And I would actually try and kill that desire and passion because I thought, you naughty boy, don't use your imagination to get intimate. I was trying to kill something. I hated how I was wired. But the problem wasn't how I was wired. Because we just did what I said. We stopped and we used our imagination to be intimate with God. Therefore, this desire and this passion was not the problem. I was wired perfectly. I was just going to a counterfeit and a deadly one at that. The wages of my disconnection was actually resulting in death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So I was... uh, does that make sense? I was sitting here trying to beat myself into, don't you dare do this, you bad boy. How dare you desire this? Look at David, the most intimate, one of the most intimate characters in the Bible. You think it's strange that his big fall was sleeping with somebody else? He was wired for intimacy. You have one picture of him fulfilling that in a disconnected way, and another picture of the rest of the Bible he wrote, like the rest of the Psalms and stuff he wrote out of intimacy. The same desire, the same passion, just going to a different thing. God's not trying to, hey, don't desire that. He's saying, I don't want to get, I built you with these desires. I'm just trying to nail them to who I am what I've already done. I'm trying to connect the two. God didn't say, stop (laughs) being intimate. He wasn't saying, be more prude. In fact, uh, no, 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 he wasn't saying be more prude. He was saying, just don't disconnect from me in order to be intimate. You see it all throughout the Bible. It's actually crazy. You see, David has it, uh, um, in Adam and Eve. It's no, it's not, it's not weird to say what they're attempted with. And it's literally, the, the Satan was like, if you do this, you'll be like God. They were already like God. They were built to be like God. God wired them to be like Him. Of course they would desire to be like God. They just said, I know I will feel this passion, this, I'll feel this desire, this passion, um, but I'll do it disconnected from you. They were wired to be like God. So the enemy came and said, be like God. And they're like, yeah, but they did it disconnected. Jesus got the same temptation, actually. Turn this stone, in Matthew 4, it says, turn this stone into into bread. (sighs) This is a fun one. you think this man never ate bread? You think that he wasn't hungry for... He was literally the bread of life. He multiplied bread for thousands of people multiple times. You think he? Was, you think he had a pro- God had a problem? With, you think Jesus is anti-bread? You th- he said, "Go throw yourselves on these rocks and get hurt, so you won't get hurt. These, these angels will save you." Do you think that Jesus had a problem getting hurt and then getting back up again and being saved? He said, "I'll give you all the authority." You th- he was put over all the authority. These things that Jesus was built for, and you know what Jesus said? No, He said, "No, no." I, I, he didn't say, "I'm fasting." He didn't say, oh, "I want that really bad, but I'm, a, I'm going to abstain from it." I'm going to use my self control. He didn't say I'm fasting. He said I was full. He said, "Turn this rock into turn this stone into bread," and he said, "Man shall not live by bread alone, but every mouth comes to the every word that comes to the mouth of the Father." He said, I've been eaten. He he wasn't willing to settle for the counterfeit he had to offer. There's a perversion of everything that Jesus was offered in the the wilderness. And the Holy Spirit led him there. Satan's on one side saying, prove it. You think you're the son of God? Prove it. And, And the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness in order to prove it. He was saying, oh, I'll prove it. God is sitting here and trying to prove some things in our lives to us so that he can prove some things in our lives through us. There's so many times I've been on fast and I just go back to Jesus and I think, oh, if he did it, I can do it. He was proving something to Jesus so he could prove something through Jesus and he's not done. God is trying to do something on the earth and we're we're, sometimes we have these temptations and we try and beat ourselves into behaving, but I'm telling you, he's not trying to get you to, I don't believe he's trying to get us to fast. I think he's trying to get us to a place that when the enemy comes and dangles something in front of our face, a perversion of what he's already given us, we say, I'm sorry, I'm full. I don't know if I should say this. That's like, that should be the title of this message. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there was one time, I'm I'm as vague as possible. There was one time somebody offered me something that was inappropriate. I'll try and be as vague as possible. Very inappropriate. And having to do with like lustful stuff. And now, at this time, I I was like, you know, I had met Megan. we have been married for a little bit. And I was like, I was like, I don't mean to be offensive, but I have, I'm very full. I have everything I would ever want in a wife. You have nothing to offer me. It would be as if I just ate a 16 course meal. I had a steak, I had everything. In fact, I just, this, this, um, this past, uh, what is it called? Sunday, we, my dad went out, went out to eat and we were like, we were balled out because we were going to get to see this real manly shoot 'em up movie. So we got steaks and we got dessert and we got all this stuff we're eating. It We're so disgustingly full that by the time we got to the movies, everything I love about candy and it looked disgusting. It was like, oh, they're like, do you want some popcorn for $80? And I was like, I'm sorry, dog. I was like, I couldn't eat it. But it wasn't because I was fasting. It was because I was full. And I think this is where God is trying to trying to bring us into, is not to a place where like, oh, no, I have to use my willpower. Um, I have to use my willpower. No, I'm full. This is really fun. <laughs> so I used to hate myself and like how I, how I was wired and stuff Till I realized there's nothing wrong with how my heart was wired. It was that I was settling for or filling myself with counterfeits. All the enemy have to, has to offer is perversions of what we already have access to, worse versions of what we already have access to. you should be like God. They already were like God. Give you bread. Talk about bread. (laughs) Goodness gracious. Jesus didn't say, um, in other words, I'll say this. Jesus didn't respond with, I'm fasting. He said, he still had the desire to eat. He was still passionate about eating. He just found a food that was better than what the enemy had to offer. He, he said, I'd be settling for a worse version of what my dad has already given me. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. God was proving himself to and through Jesus. Jesus was being taught that regardless of what you put in his hands, that his father had his heart. You know, I was reminded of... Um, he, he was fasting into a lifestyle here. I um, mean, you see it play out in his life, but God, God was, um, doing something that so that when you put anything in Jesus' hands, he would, the Father would still have his heart. I was reminded of, remember when he fed 5,000? I always thought it was so weird that he never talked about it. They were always like, and then Jesus gave thanks for food. Like they never called it what it was in the Bible. They were like, he just gave thanks for food. I was like, he did more than that. He multiplied it. But then I realized that that was the whole source of what happened, That of what multiplied it is, no matter what you put in Jesus' hands, the father had his heart. He looked at the father and said, thank you so much for this bread. Has anyone ever been too hungry to thank God for food before? I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you that pizza. I mean, you probably probably draw in front of me. I'm like, thank you Jesus for the food. Amen. <laughs> you know, sometimes I, even, I don't even do that. But like, there's something about when I do pause and I'm like, God, this looks delicious. It smells delicious. But you know what? You have my heart. That kind of keeps me aligned with what, like, the, like, no matter what you put in my hands, you still have my heart. Does that, does that make, does that like picture make sense of the the food and stuff? I I think this, this like line of questioning was in my head of like, did, why did Jesus have to fast for just a time? You know, like did Jesus not eat bread the rest of his life or never drink again? You know, he ate bread later in life, but this moment, was where the spirit led him, tested him to prove his goodness to him and through him. Let him show him how good, let him, let him show God how good he was. He wasn't anti-bread. He ate bread. He multiplied it. He gave thanks for it. You know, like we talked about. What was in Jesus' hands, so many things, beautiful things, but the father had his heart. And I think that's for us tonight too, is what is what has our hearts is going to shift how we handle what is in our hands. Okay, let me just say it again. What has our hearts is going to shift how we handle what's in our hands. You know, he talks about you cling to your life, you'll lose it. You let go of your life, you'll have it. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me, all that stuff. But I think sometimes we get bread and we hold on to it for dear life because we're hungry. Or or even praise. He said, I'll give you authority. Go up on this mountain, I'll give you all authority. You know, after he fed the five thousand, do you know why he went to be alone? The the scripture says in uh I think it's John 6, verse 14 and 15. It says that they recognized the miracles they were doing and they said they wanted to make him king. And so he, recognizing what was in their hearts to do, ran to be alone with God. They had bread in his hands and the father had his heart. He had the ability to become king and be praised in his hands and be worshiped. And he said, you know what? Even though I have your praise and I could be king, I'm gonna go be alone with the father because he has my heart. And that's not to say God doesn't want you to have Papa John's. It's not to say that God doesn't want you to, have. you think that God, God has no problem having Jesus exalted by everything else or him having bread. He's not anti-bread, he's not anti-praise, he's not anti-prosperity or anything, but there is a posture that if how, who, what has our hearts will determine how we handle what's in our hands. <sighs> Jesus was fasting into a lifestyle of handling bread. Jesus was fasting into a lifestyle of handling worship and praise. He was learning how to say no to a worse version by saying yes to the best version. And by doing so, he fasted his way into a lifestyle of connection with God that made it so when he had bread in his hands, the Father still had his heart. When he had worship and praise in his hand, the Father still had his heart. From moment to moment, from feeding 5,000s to being almost named king, early. The father had his heart. (sighs) Let's go to the cross. Luke um, chapter 9, verse 23. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Can you put that up there for me? Take your time. I'm in absolutely no rush. We're swimming in it over here. oh, thank you. Then he said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, does anyone desire to come after Jesus tonight? Um, Let him deny himself. Let's pause right there. To deny oneself, the, def- the definition for deny oneself is to disregard one's own interest. So in order to follow Him, we have to disregard our own interests. That word uh, disregard actually means to ignore, to fail to consider. So this invitation to come after Christ is to disregard, to fail to consider myself. Okay, deny myself. And take up His cross daily and follow me. The implication of this verse is way different than what I was raising. Because I, would, for some reason, I always thought you know, when I read these things, nail my passions, desires to the cross and pick up your cross and follow me. I thought it had to do so much with behavior. I read it like this, take up, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow rules. But that's not it. It says, take up your cross, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, which means a pursuit of him that is so intense that we're willing to let things die so that we can have him. You know, this idea of like killing people with kindness. Like, oh, don't worry, we'll kill him with kindness. Like, I think this is what he's doing, but with connection, he's trying to kill some things in us, but doing it through connection. That if we if we learn in these places where we used to disconnect in our passions, disconnect in our imagination, disconnect in these desires, disconnect in our curiosities, disconnect in in whatever in these in the, in these fears, when we learn to disconnect, he's saying, oh, what if we connected there? Then that would just die. a connection, a relationship with him that is so good that we don't need anything else. That we don't want anything else. That nothing else will satisfy. <sighs> I, I think, like I said, I have more notes, but let's just take a second there, okay? If you want more notes, just a second, okay? Jesus, this is this is our hearts tonight. Lead us. Lead us. Lead our lives. I'm saying take us by the hand and lead our lives. We're here right now in church. We had wonderful worship, had wonderful time, just learned about you and getting to know you, had wonderful time with each other. The second we leave this place and we go in our cars, our hearts is, God, lead us by your spirit. You can be enough for us tonight. You can be enough for us tomorrow morning when we wake up. Nothing matters more than this connection with you right now. And if there's anything that we've allowed to get in the way, or like Adam and Eve, that we've been hiding in, hiding our private parts from you in, like Adam and Eve did, God, we ask, come and help us nail that to your cross. Nail that to who you are and what you've done. Please, God, it's not worth it. It's a worse version. If there's anyone in here that's been settling for a worse version of you, gotta thank you for convicting us, convincing us of how good you are, convincing us of righteousness. Hmm. And unrighteousness, the places where we've disconnected, convincing us that it's actually better to connect with you. You know, I told that story about driving home in my car, and I was like, you know, he's knocking on the door of my heart saying, you know, can I satisfy? Like, will I be enough for you tonight? And I thought, I don't know what, I thought about um, uh, the fruits of the Spirit, like uh, this, the verse, the Galatians 5.24, we skipped over the fruits of the Spirit. Because um, the reason why I thought about it is because the Spirit of God was knocking on the door of my heart and saying, I want to be intimate with you. Will you let me in? We were talking about, we talked about, this big idea of whatever reigns in us we're in on the earth, but what determines what reigns in us is what we allow in, what we're intimate with, okay, so here God is saying, "I want to be intimate with you, will you let me in and it reminded me so much of Mary, his mom, um that the the spirit of the Lord comes to Mary and says, "Will you let me in?" She says, "So be it, let it be, according to your word, come on and then the Holy Spirit plants a seed in Mary in, in her womb. And then what kind of fruit does the Holy Spirit produce? I gave you a hint. It's in Galatians, right before what we read. Galatians chapter five, verse 22 says this. This, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, this NLT in our lives. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So, what was produced from the Holy Spirit? What was what was seeded in her life was this: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. You know, all the one, self-control, all these wonderful things, and it's wrapped up in this wonderful man, Jesus. He is love. So then I'm sitting in my car thinking, oh my gosh, love himself is sitting there. Not, even right now, if you, if you feel the Spirit of God moving right now, he is knocking on the door of your heart. I'm talking about love, the unconditional kind. Love, the kind that lays his life down for you. Love, the kind that casts out fear, is knocking at the door of your heart saying, hi, hey, hi. The kind that covers a multitude of sin. Him. This is what the Holy Spirit produced. His name is Jesus. Joy, in my presence is fullness of joy, and at my right hand is pleasures forevermore. This is who's knocking at the door of our heart. Say, will you let me into this moment too? Peace, the prince of peace. Patience. I feel like so many times I hear people say, oh Lord, give me patience. I don't have patience for this. Guess who's knocking at the door? Isaiah 53 7. It is he who oppressed, sorry, who was oppressed, afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears, is silent. You want patience? This is the man who's standing at the door and knocking at your heart. Saying, Will you let me into this moment too in the car when you wake up in the morning? And so I mean there's a bunch of them. I I don't think we have time to go through all of them, but, but let's hit self-control and then we'll go home, okay? Um Will you put up Proverbs 25-28 for me? And we before we talk about self-control? And while we go there, you can just everyone just take a deep breath. God told me this about self-control the other day. It's funny. um, I was singing a song that was literally titled self-control. And I was like, why am I singing that? That's a dirty song, God. That's a secular song. Get that out of my head. But then he's like, no, I want to talk to you about it. So then I found this verse and it says this. Actually, you keep it up there, but I'm going to read the NLT first. It says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. And God told me, if you don't have self-control, then anything can have you. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. If we don't have self-control, then anything can have us. It's not, it's, I'll just leave that there. I won't add anything to that. So the invitation here is the fruit of the spirit, self-control, the fruit of um, intimacy with Him is actually will give us the ability so that nothing else can have our heart. We could be so intimate with Him that we we won't be tempted to be intimate with anything else. Potentially. For me, that sounds like a dream come true. (laughs) Um, I feel like I'm done but I don't feel like God's done so let's just close our eyes for a second And um, (laughs) give him an opportunity to reign in your heart. To govern what's going on inside you. Before we leave here, before we take another step, before we get up and go, pack our stuff, whatever, let's just give Him a chance to reign in our heart. Right now and in the next moment. And I'm not going to like do an altar call or anything, but I do feel like God is wanting to take what He's been speaking to us intimately and give us opportunities to prove it to us in our lives, to prove it to us and through us in our lives of just how good he is, the same way he did with Jesus in in the wilderness. Like he's wanting to lead us into places where, where he gets to prove that he's better than what we've been settling for. So if that's you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or come down, but if that's you, and God is like, maybe there are some passions and desires that you've been using to disconnect from God, but he's wanting to connect the two. He's wanting to take those passions, take those desires, those curiosities, and nail them to who he is and what he's already given us access to, what he's already done. So maybe that's you. And I just, I'd encourage you to take the time to picture what that would be like. Maybe, maybe you're in here and you're like, I've been just following rules my whole life. You know, I've been just taking up my cross and following rules daily. And maybe he just wants to remind you of his first rule, or number one rule. Which looks like loving him with everything inside you. And lovers, loving others like yourself. Well, Jesus, we give you permission to nail everything inside of us to your cross. We take up our cross and we follow you. Not just now, not just today, but when we go home, we wake up in the morning. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for a connection for a relationship that is so ridiculously passionate that we 're willing to lay down our lives for it hmm. and not the other way around not a, not a, not a um us behaving enough to have a relationship God I thank you for sweeping us off your feet or off our feet God I thank you for washing our feet I thank you for doing stuff to us and in us so intimately that we know that that we can go in and, and it can happen through us on the earth. Thank you for touching these deep parts of our heart, these private parts that we, we tend to want to cover up. God, I thank you that as you undress us, that you're a comforter, that you're there for us to walk us through it, to be there, to speak into our lives where we feel insecure or scared or whatever, um, and to encourage us and equip us to walk out this relationship with you on the earth. I thank you for every family represented in here, every father represented, every mother, every, every child, every, all the lineages represented in here, God. I thank you so much for what you're doing on the earth. Only you could do it, and you're doing it in such an intimate way. And so we honor you now for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I for some reason like you guys are so dismissed, super dismissed. For some reason I feel like you're still moving though. So if there is something um like stirring up in you you want prayer for or you want someone like to believe God with, just come up here and pretend we can pretend talk about something else. I, I just feel like like I, I just feel like God's not done moving. If you want someone to agree with you, God moving your life, come on up here. I'll pray for you, I'll pray with you. Um if you're just hungry and you just want to linger in his presence, um you know, please do. And if you're not either of the two, then as you leave, just leave respectfully of what's going on here. Um, I really wanted to play music. I really did. But I don't. There's there's going to be times where you don't have music, but you still, God has still wanted to connect with you. And I'm like, let's practice here. So if you're in here and want to still connect with your heart stirred up, practice. You're going to go to work tomorrow and be like, Oh, no, Nate's not playing his guitar and singing songs. How am I supposed to connect with the Lord? (laughs) You know, whatever. (sighs) Cool. Cool. I love you guys. Regardless of where you go, have a beautiful night.